Hello, welcome to the Stay Whole podcast. My name is Sanjay and I'll be your host. What is Stay Whole? Stay Whole simply refers to bringing ourselves back to being whole again. We are all broken in some way, shape or form. And my aim with this podcast is to help ourselves return back to being whole again. For me, that means doing three key things. Eat, live and move. We need to eat the foods that nourish our body. Live our lives the way we were intended to live. And move your body the way it's designed to move. And with those three things, we can help ourselves live a much happier, productive and healthier life. Thank you for joining me. Hello, and welcome back to the Stay Whole podcast. Thanks for joining me. Today, I want to talk about food. Particularly, I want to discuss the the reasons why we overeat. And the motivation for this is simply just the, the reality we're faced with at the moment. We're all at home, or most of us are at home. We're in this lockdown situation. And I'm speaking to more and more people who are concerned about overeating. And they're saying, look, I'm bored at home. All I, all I think to do is eat. There's nothing else to do. And I'm concerned about overeating. So this is going to be a problem for us in the future. So we want to try and maintain our, uh, maintain our weight and our, our health and, and try not to overeat. And I know what it's like when you're at home and you're bored and there's nothing else to do. You reach for the cupboards. So let's try to think about why we overeat. Um, let's start with food. Now, you might have heard the famous saying, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And it was Hippocrates who said that. Um, so let's try to think about what that actually means. Now, food is medicine. Now, the definition of medicine, according to dictionary.com, is any substance or substances that are used in treating illness. So for food to be, be medicine, it has to be used to treat illness. And we know that if we eat a healthy whole food diet, we can recover from certain illnesses that are related to lifestyle and type 2 diabetes is one of those uh, which is quite close to, to my heart. So food can be used as medicine. Now if you went to the doctor and he prescribed or he or she prescribed you medicine there were normally quite specific instructions that you get with that medication. How many pills do I take? How many times a day? Is it with food or without food? How many days I'll have to take this for? There's lots of different instructions that you get. Now, if you follow these instructions, what's going to happen? Well, hopefully, whatever you went to the doctor with in the first place will disappear. If you think you're a bit of a smart aleck and you decide that, hey, you know, I'm going to underdose, so I'm not going to have um, three a day. I'll have one a day and I'll have it twice a day instead of three times a day. And I'll only do it for five days instead of 10 days. Well, then whatever you went to the doctor with is still going to be there. You're, you're not going to have treated the illness. And similarly, on the opposite end of the scale, and this is not always possible, but let's just play along. If you overdosed, if you took too many uh, of the uh, tablets or the medication, then you're also going to have problems. And we know that overeating causes uh, a lot of overconsumption. Overeating, we're coming to that. But overconsumption of, of medications can cause problems. Now, you may have got rid of whatever you went to the doctor with in the first place. But more than likely than not, you're going to suffer some sort of side effect. Now, if you've ever taken that magical piece of paper, I call it the Mary Poppins piece of paper because it's, you know, you unfold it and it's just been folded a gazillion times. You can never fold it back to how it was. But if you actually have ever read that uh, sheet of paper, on there is a, a long list of uh, side effects that you might suffer 
as a result of taking this medication. And if you overdose, you're probably more likely to suffer from those side effects. So with medication from the doctor, we all follow the prescription. If you take the right amount, it does its job and it treats the illness. Food is exactly the same, ladies and gentlemen. There is a prescription for the amount of food that you need to consume to keep your body healthy. If you follow it, then the food will do its job and it will provide your body with the nutrients it needs to flourish and work well. Now we can see the effects of overconsumption in, in society today. Two thirds of us in the UK are now overweight. That is the majority. If that was an election result, then the leader of the overweight party would be prime minister. You know, diabetes, heart disease, obesity, these are all the result of us consuming too much food. Now, we may not see it as much in this country, but there is evidence of what happens when we don't get enough food and nutrients, and that's called malnutrition. Now, malnutrition is a serious problem in many parts of the developing world today. There are people out there not getting enough food and therefore not enough energy and therefore not enough nutrients for their body to function properly. And the result is illness and disease and many other conditions that, that arise from that. Now, unfortunately, a lot of us here in the UK are also malnourished. It's a different type of malnourishment because we're probably getting all the energy. We just said 66% of the population are overweight. So if you're eating too much, you're going to gain weight. If you're eating a lot, you're getting lots of energy. So your energy requirements are met. The excess is being stored as fat. But we're probably eating the wrong types of foods. So we're probably eating, and we know we're eating this, a lot of fast food, a lot of uh, processed and refined carbohydrates, lots of sugars, fats, salt. And when we eat those types of foods, we're not getting all the nutrients that our body needs, the vitamins, the minerals, the fiber, the water. So we suffer from malnourishment as well. We just don't see it in the same way as we would look at maybe in a developing country. So we need to try and fix this and we need to try and address this. Now, the purpose of today and this conversation uh, is not to go into what is the right type of food to constitute as medicine or how much or how little we should be eating. Um, or whether we do all talk a little bit about that at the end. But I want to address the overconsumption issue and highlight that eating more than your body actually needs can have the disastrous implications on our health. But why do we overeat? I think that's the question I want to try and tackle first here. Why do we overeat? I read a really interesting article uh, written by Dr. Sean, uh, Sean Wheatley sorry, and Matthew Whitaker, and it was called Why Do People Overeat? Hunger, Psychological Eating and Type 2 Diabetes. So I was doing some research for type 2 diabetes for some of my patients, and I came across this article. It was a very, very interesting, very interesting article, and I've summarized some of their findings, but you can uh, check out the full article. I'll put a link on my show notes page on my website. Um, as well as reading the article, like I said at the beginning, this situation we're in now, this is very, very relevant. So I thought it's a good time to sort of talk about this. So let's move on. So food provides us with the energy and the nutrients that we need. Now, your body requires a certain amount for it to work well. If you continue to eat after your energy and your nutrient demands have been met, it's what they called hedonic heat eating. Sorry, hedonic eating. So you've heard of hedonism, and this is just a form of hedonic eating when we eat above and beyond the demands of our body. Now, this type of eating is usually driven by reward. Hedonic eating is a major cause of overeating. We're always trying to seek the pleasurable effects of food. Even overriding our inbuilt feedback mechanisms that are designed to stop this. The feedback mechanisms are hunger as well as satiety. So satiety is the feeling of being full. 
eating foods that we enjoy triggers a, a, a response in us. It's called a dopamine response. Now, dopamine is a neurotransmitter that's associated with many pleasurable feelings and emotions and other things. So if you do something happy, you're happy, you get this dopamine response. Uh, I believe that you take certain types of drugs as well, you get a dopamine hit as well. Now, a neurotransmitter, which is what dopamine is, is simply a chemical that allows signals to pass between the nerve cells in your brain. Think of a, a, a neurotransmitter as a boat that takes people from one side of the river to the other side. Yeah, that boat is a neurotransmitter transmitting signals across that water. Now, this research suggests that people that are obese have irregular dopamine responses and a reduced reward response after eating. So what that means is they don't get as much dopamine or a feeling of reward after eating desirable food. So they need to eat more of that food to get the same pleasure sensations as other people do. Now this is, you might uh, associate this with alcohol. I know uh, in, in people that drink alcohol, uh, there's this thing called the tolerance level. And I don't drink a lot of alcohol. I've stopped drinking uh, alcohol over the last couple of years. I still have a little bit, but not as much as I used to. And if I go out with my friends who are, are still drinking you know, regularly, and you know who you are out there, uh, and I go out with them, they often turn to me and say, you're such a lightweight, you can't drink as much as, as us. And that's true, it's because I don't drink as much as them, so my tolerance is low. And the same happens with this hedonic eating. So obese people who are, are eating more and more, they're like my friends who drink all the time, and they have to drink a lot more to get the same sort of pleasure that I might get from a couple of glasses or, or a couple of drinks. So they need to consume more food, and that obviously has a big, big problem. The other problems come with, you know, people say, well, it's only one or you might have friends in peer pressure. And again, my friends, like the, the same ones I'm talking about, you know who you are. Oh, go on. One won't hurt. Just today. It's only one. It's only one day. Um, so again, in this article, the research suggests that even a single act of hedonic eating can tr trigger overeating for several days afterwards. So that moment of, oh, it's only one could have far more severe consequences. So it's not surprising to hear that the foods that we're most likely to eat in this hedonic fashion are foods that are high in fat, refined carbs, containing more sodium, reduced protein and reduced fiber. These are what are most palatable when we're trying to or when we are overeating. Processed foods affect the perception of our appetite. So our appetite actually returns much faster following a meal that's more palatable. So we get hungry. These foods are referred to as what we call hyperpalatable. Hyperpalatable foods are what I call HFSS, high fat, sugar and salt. These foods can actually override your inbuilt mechanism for feeling full. I've often heard people say all the time, oh, you know, they've eaten a fast food meal, McDonald's or Burger King or whichever, wherever they've been to. And an hour, an hour and a half later, they're, they're complaining that they're hungry. And that's a signal that eating these foods can actually override that, that mechanism of feeling full. You, I mean, you know, a, a McDonald's meal is you know, close to a thousand calories, if not more. Surely after eating a thousand calories, someone should be full, right? You should not be feeling hungry after eating a thousand calories. So that's just proof to go to show that if you're feeling hungry after eating a meal like that, then there's something that's severely wrong. Uh, so you shouldn't be wanting to eat. And that's because the mechanism there is, is not working as well as it could be. 
Uh, and one of the reasons is that meal that you've eaten, that fast food meal, it's just lacking the nutrients that your body needs, the vitamins, the minerals, the fiber. Um, the energy is not a problem. You've got the energy, but it's all those other things. Now, and that's why your body maybe is craving something else afterwards. Um, the other thing that can contribute to your eating patterns, of course, is our habits. Your body is going to stimulate hunger at the times that you regularly eat. So if you're a very habitual eater, you have a set routine, you eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, your snacks at the same time every day, you're going to feel hungry just because it's a certain time of day and not because your body actually needs the energy and the nutrients. So that's an interesting fact because, you know, you often find people getting really hungry uh, when they're not in their regular routine because it's a certain time of day has come. And often what happens is after that time has passed, they often forget that they were hungry. Let's say they were working or they were in a, you know, a, a, a new place and they didn't have access to food and they just kind of ride it out. Often they kind of forget about it after all. So again, your body just fights that, that, that urge to eat. And that's just a regular uh, habitual thing that happens uh, because we're re used to eating at a certain time of day. Now, the habits that we have when it comes to eating, it goes as far as recognizing the amount of food, the portion sizes that you might be eating. Because if you if it's nine o'clock and that's your time for breakfast, let's just say for argument's sake, and you eat a smaller amount of food at nine o'clock, then naturally you're going to start to feel hungry because you haven't eaten the same amount of food that you normally eat. So if we have been over consuming over years of our lives, we get used to over consuming. And it's just like that tolerance level. In order to feel full, we have to eat more. Now, there's some good news here in that you can actually reprogram this hunger response through a development of new habits. Now, habits, and I will talk about this in, in future podcasts and future blog articles because it's a really interesting topic, habits. But habits are something that we learn. We actually develop them ourselves. And because we learn them, we can actually change them. You know, and we can create new habits or we can replace unhelpful habits with new helpful habits um, think about anything you do so think about uh, driving for example and those of you that drive out there the first time you got in that car you didn't know what you were doing everything was confusing you were driving really slowly and it was just a mess and then you know years later or not even years later you pass your driving test and a few months later you know driving is just like brushing your teeth it's a habit that you've created you do it over and over again and it just becomes natural the same can happen with your eating habits if you decide to eat less food over a period of time, your body will get used to eating less food over a period of time. And yes, just like in those early days of driving, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. You're going to make mistakes. There's going to be slip ups. But if you stick with it, you can change the way that you eat and the amount of food that you eat as well. So there's lots of things going on there. Uh, we can go into this in a, in a lot more detail. There's, you know, we've got the, the, the hormonal response of, uh, of, of the hormones that make you feel full and, and make you feel hungry. Um, those as well can be reset if you just change the way that you eat and you stick with it. So another reason that people overeat, and this might be uh, certainly prevalent today in what's going on in society right now, is stress. When we have high levels of stress and the stress hormone that we're referring to here is called cortisol, when there's, there's high levels of cortisol flowing around your bloodstream, this results in us snacking um, or more snacking in both normal and overweight individuals. Now, I found that really fascinating that in both, whether you're overweight or you're normal weight, snacking or increased snacking is a result of being more stressed. 
And the foods that we're going to consume as a snack are often those hyperpalatable foods that we talked about that have high energy density. Now, when we have cortisol present in our bloodstream, it takes uh, it takes place in an absence of natural signals of hunger. So you're going to go for those snacks. You're going to want to eat more, even if you haven't got that natural inbuilt signal of hunger. And that can be a problem. And obviously, stress and emotions are very closely linked. And emotions can lead to overeating. Negative emotions, such as grief, distress, this can turn people towards comfort eating. And when people comfort eat, they normally this can normally lead to things like guilt. So they think, oh my God, I shouldn't have eaten that. And then that can make your mood even worse. So you're already stressed, you're already highly emotional, and then you're beating yourself up because you just had something that you know you shouldn't have had, and then you end up feeling worse. It's a very, very vicious cycle there. And again, not effective at all. And then the final reason I want to touch on here before we go into some tips of what we can do is sleep. Now, I'm going to talk about sleep in a lot more detail. It's my new found favorite subject when it comes to health and wellness. Um, so sleep is a, is a major factor here. So deprivation of sleep or not getting enough sleep is a huge factor in overconsuming, especially those hyperpalatable foods. So if we're not getting the right amount of sleep, you're more likely to want to turn to those HFSS, high-fat, sugar and salt foods. Now, a lack of sleep also can suppress certain hormones, which tell us that we're full. So effectively, we're going to feel that, what feels like a natural signal of hunger. And again, that can lead to overconsumption. Some studies have actually shown that sleep-deprived individuals might eat an extra 300 calories per day. That's an awful amount of food. So if you think about over a week, 300 a day times seven, three times seven is uh, 21. That's 2,100 calories a day, uh, a week, sorry, extra. That's almost the, the, an extra day of eating, if you think about it that way. If you're having 2,000 calories a day in a week, you're consuming 2,100 calories more than you should be. That's an extra day of eating. That's a lot. So what can we do? Well, simple things first. And I think everything has to be simple uh, making drastic changes is, is is not the way forward. And when we talk about habits, I'll go into this in a little bit more detail. But one simple thing, and I've, I've seen this work in real life, that's very, very effective, is just to eat the same food, but just eat less. Now, I know that sounds really simple, but it actually works and it's really effective. I'm going to tell you a story about one of my ex-clients that I had uh, when I was working as a personal trainer out in Dubai. And um, he came to me very overweight individual. Uh, I think he was about 150 or 160 kilograms, which is which is a lot. And he wanted to lose weight. And he was understanding was he just needs to come and exercise. But I obviously had to explain to him that food and every, all the stress and everything obviously contributes towards uh, your, your weight gain. And uh, I looked into his diet and, and asked him what his diet was and what he ate every day. And this is actually a typical day and this is not made up. This is during the five days of work, this is how his diet looked. At breakfast, he would go to McDonald's and he would eat a large, uh, big breakfast. I think that's what it's called at McDonald's. Uh, then at lunchtime, he would order a pizza to his desk because he was a very busy individual and he hardly ever got out for lunch. So he would normally order a takeaway and it's often a pizza and a large pizza at that. And then for lunch, he would often stop off at a chicken shop on the way home and get like a large bucket of fried chicken and chips and all the sides that go with it. And that was just for himself. He had a wife as well, but she would uh, cook for herself. So now imagine telling this gentleman, OK, now from tomorrow for breakfast, you're going to have a kale smoothie 
and for lunch you're going to have uh, quinoa and uh, broccoli salad and for dinner you're going to have smoke uh, sorry you're going to have uh, salmon grilled salmon fillet with sweet potato and vegetables i mean he would have run a mile so i just said to him this i said look could you try this could you go to mcdonald's for breakfast in the morning but instead of ordering a large meal order a medium meal could you go and order your pizza at lunchtime but instead of getting a large pizza get a medium pizza and then instead of uh, getting a large bucket of chicken for dinner get a medium or a small bucket of chicken and he ummed and ahed a bit because it sounded like quite a big ask and it, it probably was a big ask because remember his body's got used to eating that amount of food and that's what he needs or what he thinks he needs to survive and eventually he said yes now i wanted to prove something to him and, and not because i needed to but i i felt that he was not buying into everything I said. So I said, look, before we start training, I just want you to tr try that. Okay, so let's defer your training for two weeks. So he signed up and I said, we're not going to start for two weeks. But in these two weeks, I want you to eat those medium sized meals, just like I've asked you to. And I want you to document it. He's going to send me a picture and send me that picture via WhatsApp so I can see and keep a food diary of what you're eating. Anyway, two weeks passed. And in two weeks, he came back. I weighed him. Uh, I'd weighed him, obviously, on the first occasion I met him. I weighed him on the second occasion. I took his waist circumference. I took his body fat measurements. And in two weeks, his weight had dropped significantly. And he was shocked. His jaw was on the floor. And I just showed him that just by eating the same food, but eating a little bit less, you can control your weight. It's an important and, and, and an easy thing for most of us to do. So it's just saying to you, look, eat the foods you always eat, eat a little bit less. How do I know if I'm eating less? Well, you can eyeball it or we can think about portions and, and, and portion control. And we have a very nice and easy mechanism that we can use to help us with portions that I'm going to show you now. We have something called the portion plate. Now, one of the problems that we have is that we are eating in plates that are too big. I mean, I have plates at home here right now that I can't even put into my dishwasher. I mean, they don't stand upright because it just doesn't fit. That's crazy. Um, so if we have big plates, we're going to eat more. Um, therefore, we need to think about how much we're putting on that plate. So what I want you to do uh, while you're listening to this, hopefully you're not driving. So if you're driving, don't do this. If you're riding a motorcycle or a bike, don't do this. Uh, but when you get a chance, get your hands. I want you to place your hands next to each other. So your palms are facing up to the ceiling uh, as if you're holding, you know, a, a, a tray of drinks or something so your little pinky fingers are together and your palms are open facing the ceiling now look at your hands that's the size of your plate yes that's the size of your plate or that's the size your plate should be now go and get a plate from your kitchen and then check the comparison it's probably going to be smaller so we've got our plate that's how much that's how much food should be on our plate now let's divide this plate up into sections so if we take one palm, okay, so just take the palm of your right hand, so chopping your fingers off and your thumb, that palm is a quarter of your plate. The second palm on your left hand, that's the second quarter. Your fingers on your right hand, that's your third quarter. And the fingers on the left hand, that's your fourth quarter. Now, one quarter is starchy carbohydrates, which is your rice, pasta, potatoes, bread. The other quarter should be your protein source. So that might be your fish, your chicken, your meat, your poultry, eggs, uh, lentils, legumes, uh, beans, if you're a vegetarian. And then 
your fingers, just your eight fingers, if you wiggle your eight fingers around, that's two quarters, so that's a half. That should be your vegetables, okay? So that should be your vegetables. So that's a nice, easy way of thinking about it. And your hands are, as I said, individual to you, okay? The bigger you are, the bigger your hands, which means you get to have a bigger plate. The smaller you are, the smaller your hands, and therefore you have a smaller plate. So that's a nice, easy way. Now, it doesn't have to be exact. You just kind of have to eyeball it. Um, but that's a nice way to think about what our portions should be. Now, look, if you start to try and use this portion method and start to eat like that for the for, for the next few days and you've been eating more than that over the last few years yes of course you're going to feel hungry yes of course it's going to be difficult but anything's difficult at the beginning again let's think back to driving if anyone's ever learned to try to learn a language think about those first few lessons even the even the first you know 10 lessons it can be very daunting and very difficult but after a while you get the hang of it and it becomes easier riding a bike there's a lot i mean i can go into lots of examples you get the idea whenever you try to do something new there's going to be some challenges at the beginning Okay, so don't be put off by those challenges. Remember that it gets easier, it gets better, and then you will see the reward. And hopefully that's going to be enough motivation, just like my client who saw the benefits of eating less food. And after that, he literally didn't question anything I said. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you should not question anything I say. I don't know everything. I don't know it all. I've said this many times. But these are just simple things that we can do. So we've got our portion plate. We've got eating the same food, but eating less. Um, another thing we could try to do is maybe do some more movement around eating larger meals. So this is something that uh, actually I got from one of my uh, my groups that I was teaching. And the lady said to me, well, what she does is on the days that she knows she's going to eat out, she'll actually do some more movement. Now, she used the word movement, which was interesting, and not exercise. And that's an important point. I'm not saying exercise. And I said, what do you mean by movement? And she goes, well, on those days, I'll, she will go for a longer walk. She will do some more exercise. But she'll just try to be more active in her day-to-day. -day. She used to get off the bus earlier if she was going, you know, going to the going to the shops and walk a little bit more. She'll take the stairs. She might do uh, uh, a little bit longer in her, her exercise class that she was doing. So just moving more just gets your metabolism firing. And on those days where you're eating more, you have somewhere for that energy to go. So that could be something that you could do as well. Now, these are three really, really simple and effective tips. Portion control, using the plate, the portion plate, eating the same foods, but just eating less. And you can just eyeball that and doing some movement around your meals, especially on those heavier days. Small changes have big, big consequences. I think we often underestimate that. And what I found as a, as a coach and a personal trainer is that people often overestimate what they're going to do in one week so i always hear oh what are you going to do by next week and they'll say oh you know i'm going to i'm going to exercise for half an hour every single day i'm going to eat five portions of fruits and vegetables every single day i'm going to meditate every single day a week goes by i ask them how did you get on with your goals oh you know this happened that happened i did three days and you know life gets in the way so we overestimate what we can achieve in a week but in a year, if I, we often underestimate what we can achieve in a year. So if I had, so I, this is an example, a real life example, I had a, a lady in one of my groups, her weakness was biscuits. And she goes, oh, I just have this, uh, this craving for, for biscuits. And I said, well, you know, how many times do you eat biscuits in a day? She goes, well, every time I have a cup of tea, I have to have a few biscuits. And I said, how many times do you have a cup of tea? And she said, I have uh, a cup of tea, you know, three times a day and I have three biscuits. I was like, wow, that's quite a lot. 
I said, okay, well, could you do this? Could you have your biscuits, but each time you have a cup of tea, just cut down by one biscuit. So instead of having three, have two. She goes, oh yeah, that's fine. I could easily do that. Okay, so if she cut down, and, and that's three biscuits in a day. I said, so actually, scrap that. Just cut down one biscuit. Just have one biscuit less in a day. So if you're having nine biscuits a day, just have eight. That's in a year, that's 365 biscuits. And if you do the math, that's 18 packets of biscuits less she's eating in a year by just cutting down one biscuit a day. Now, do you think that someone that cuts out 18 packets of biscuits from their diet in a year is going to lose weight? Well, depending on other factors, that's a step in the right direction. So there's an example how, of how we underestimate what we can do in a year. She, in her mind, she didn't think that one biscuit was a lot. But when I actually broke it down and explained that one biscuit a day was 18 packets, and if she could do more than one biscuit a day, well, then, you know, you can multiply that up by how many biscuits she's going to cut out. So in a year, we can achieve a lot, but it only starts with something very, very small. And something very small is easy to stick to. If we set ourselves these really complex and, and, and difficult goals of doing something every day, doing it multiple times a day or multiple times a week, life is going to get in the way. It's going to be difficult. We're going to find it tough and we're going to quit. Whereas if we can do something small, it's easier to maintain. It's easier to do. And the results come slower. Yes, I agree with that. But it's a longer lasting effect as well. That's it from me today. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll catch you next time. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please be sure to go to your favorite podcast app and leave a review. It really helps me to make this a better experience for you. Also, if you're not doing already, please be sure to follow Stay Whole social media pages, which are at Stay Whole Life on Instagram or on Facebook. It's www.facebook.com forward slash stay whole there's always our website which is simply stayhole.co.uk thanks again for listening and remember to stay whole